Side Hustle Show 336, Direct-to-Consumer Product Research. Through Amazon FBA or through your own e-commerce site, direct-to-consumer products and brands are one side hustle with tremendous potential. Here's how to get started. What's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way than slaving away in a cubicle for 40 years to reach financial independence. It was that line of thinking and a little firsthand experience on both Wall Street and Main Street that helped Chad Rubin create a profitable e-commerce business and later a software tool called Scubana to help other e-commerce sellers. Laid off from his job on Wall Street, Chad began helping out at his parents' vacuum shop, selling some of their inventory online. But then came the realization that the profit margins were all eaten up by intermediaries along the supply chain. He reasoned the closer he could get to the manufacturer, the better deals he could make, both for himself and for his customers. His first products, starting with what he knew, were vacuum filters. But how do you figure out what to sell if you don't have an in in a certain industry? That's what this episode is about. Today, Chad's business, thinkcrucial.com, sells a wide variety of products for your home, your pool, your car, and more. Think coffee filters, air filters, pool filters, and a whole bunch of other stuff. He called himself the filter king. But every product follows the same direct-to-consumer strategy that lets him source and sell in-demand products efficiently and inexpensively. Stick around in this episode to hear Chad's unique take on product research, what he calls the anti-Amazon opportunity, and some sneaky ways you can connect with expert manufacturers. Notes and links for this one, plus the free downloadable PDF highlight reel, are at sidehustlenation.com slash direct. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Chad after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. Amazon has an abundance of data and insights at your fingertips. And so using the Amazon.com platform, Amazon is responsible for 50% of the growth in e-commerce this past quarter. They're just a data science experiment waiting for somebody to just read the reviews and understand it. So I started just looking at what are the best-selling vacuums out there and started backing into what are the accessories that should go with those vacuum cleaners. And I started doing that in many different categories. On top of that, as you're going through different units on Amazon, Amazon has, like I mentioned, everything at your fingertips, but most importantly, social proof and reviews. So we started digging in to understand what are these experiences that people are having and what are people complaining about, specifically the one-star reviews that are on Amazon or the two-star, and just digesting that and solving problems, really, is what I would point to. Okay, so you're looking for popular products, popular hardware, in a sense, and then looking for what people dislike about those. You're specifically looking for what accessories could I add on to those, or is that we're not quite there yet? Yeah, no. So I first started going through just vacuums. Let's just start with vacuums. So we started going through vacuums. What are good selling products that are on Amazon that have a lot of reviews that have good velocity and good momentum of units sold? And just looking through that. Then I started looking at reviews to see, okay, what are the people, are people complaining? Maybe their vacuum roller keeps breaking, or maybe the hose keeps breaking, or maybe they are saying, hey, I just wish there was a cheaper alternative to this filter. And so we just started reading reviews and digesting them. Like my wife is a yoga instructor. She owns a yoga studio. And she would be coming home late at night from a class and she'd say, Chad, what are you doing? I'm like, babe, I'm on Amazon. I'm surfing the web, like reading stuff. And she thought I was crazy. Like I'm going down the Amazon rabbit hole. 
and it's a massive rabbit hole. And like things have changed since 2008 and nine, since when I started to now, now there's 5 million Amazon sellers on the marketplace. So competition is brutal. And we're currently in the gold rush phase right now. What do you say to that person who says, yeah, there's 5 million sellers. I wish I got in 10 years ago, but I didn't. And now it's just a, a race to the bottom. There's always somebody that's making money and there's always opportunity. You just have to be smart about it. A lot of gurus out there that are in the Amazon space say, oh, just use this tool. Use this tool and you can see what the velocity or what the revenue is of certain products. And essentially, if everybody's using these same tools to figure out, okay, should I sell this product? Should I not sell this product? We would all end up with the same product because everyone's copying each other with the same ideas and the same tools. So for me, I have a different approach, which is solving problems that are unique. If there's a me too on the marketplace today, I typically, I never go after it. I try to find the niches. Like they always say, the riches are in the niches. And so I try to dig deep into those niches and not just use the tools that everybody's using. Yeah, so solving a specific problem that customers are actually describing in the comments or in the reviews, any other criteria that you're looking for in terms of either sales velocity, price point, something like that? Again, a lot of these other influencers will say, oh, it should be at this price point or it should be at this weight. And the harder the challenge, the more margin or the more opportunity there is. If you go after something that maybe is a higher weight or a higher price point, that typically is a great way to avoid these copycats or these lower end merchants, right? It's, it allows you to create a moat and to create a competitive advantage if everyone's going after that same pie to go into a different pie. Any starting points for someone who's like, okay, I'm on amazon.com homepage and there's millions and millions of products. Any recommended starting points? I think that people should essentially go into what they know more about. So I have a child coming and you have two. And I'm fascinated by what's happening in the baby space right now. It's a new space for me. And I'm just now starting to figure out all the challenges associated with and all the products that are needed for having a child. So I'm just fascinated right now. I'm still in the infancy stage, but going into markets that you have a really, really good understanding. So if you're a bicycle enthusiast or you really like riding electric scooters or you really like coffee or you like, I don't know, DJing, going into what you're passionate about, starting there. And then you're going to see that you start digging into this, like peeling back layers of the onion and asking yourself why, like, why does it have to be this way? When I started Crucial, the idea was, why do filters have to be so expensive? Why do they have to be at such a high price point? And why is there nobody going selling direct to consumer? With Stubana, the idea was, well, why is inventory and order management not together? Why are they siloed, disparate solutions? They should really be unified because then you can get intelligence to automate your business and also get just data that you can act on in a very real and quick way. So always asking yourself, why does it have to be this way? Or what are the things that really irk you or bother you? Those are great starting points to start off. Okay, yeah. What's what's wrong with this picture? How come the name brand printing costs so much? Or how come these filters are <laughs> sold only by the manufacturer and they're not reusable or you know, all of these different questions? So what bothers you? You can look internally, what are you excited about? Where do you spend an inordinate amount of money? Or what are you unhappy about spending money about? Like maybe there's an opportunity there. You mentioned going into coffee filters and specifically for the AeroPress. And this is the challenge with Amazon and like the software tools that scrape all this data is like, as soon as you have a product that sells, all of a sudden everyone else says, hey, 
that could be a good niche to get into. I can make those things too. Like, so how do you protect against that inevitable competition, inevitable commoditization? Yeah, I don't think you can prevent it. There's a lot of followers out there and they're capturing your success in the moment in time, but they don't know what the next successful idea is. For me, even if you looked at the Apple iPhone, like Apple pioneered touchscreen phone and they knew that they had to launch the next iteration of that model very quickly to stay ahead of the curve. And so you look at Android or you look at Samsung or all all these other copycats that are in the marketplace and they've come a long way for sure. But the idea is if you just sit on your on your laurels and you don't move and iterate on your product, you're going to die and mature. So for us, yeah, we pioneered the AeroPress reusable filter, lots of copycats in the marketplace, but they don't know where we're going. I think copying is one way that people stay behind us. And so for me, like I start off in the vacuum filter space, but I probably wouldn't get into the vacuum filter space today if I were deciding what business to create. Sure, you got to find the next thing. Is that a constant... You're like the lion on the on the prairie. He's got to come out and go hunt every every day to come up with the next product. Well, I think that's just business in general. Like you're constantly maturing. There's constantly people trying to take away your success. I mean, Jeff Bezos said it best: like your margin is my opportunity. There's always people that want to grab and grab market share. So you always have to innovate, always iterate. You can never just stay still, unless I call it the anti-Amazon opportunity. Unless you're creating a brand that can exist off Amazon and creating experience, let's just say that if you don't want your product to be sold with toilet paper or with paper towels, you're creating a separate experience off Amazon that Amazon could never compete with. So think about like Casper mattress or think about away luggage. A lot of these direct-to-consumer brands are starting to beat these traditional incumbents in their non-core attributes. And they're doing a really, really good job about it, but they're creating an experience. And they're also, in some ways, away luggage, for example, is pricing their product so high that they're ostracizing other people from accessing that product. So those are like strategies that happen over time. So you can essentially create a fashion brand or take a commodity and build around that, a competitive moat, and and build a platform and a community and an audience around it. And that's one great way to survive and not even compete in the marketplace itself. Okay. So it's like I'm selling something that you can get elsewhere, or you at least you can get the same function elsewhere, but you can't get it with that same experience, the the Warby Parkers and the Dollar Shave Clubs of the world. Yeah, precisely. Well, I'm curious to see what you come up with in the uh, baby market, because it's a huge, huge industry and most of the crap you really don't need. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm still exploring. It's still very new to me. One thing I'm noticing is like the strollers are so expensive and so complex, and they're also very heavy. So just doing my research, figuring out what people are saying online. Again, it's, it's, it's just an interesting market for me. It doesn't mean I'm going to move into it. It's just I take these things I'm experiencing in real time and see how I can apply that into a business setting. Okay. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. 
And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you, whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. So let's go down the stroller example, and I'll share a product that we bought. We actually went through several different ones of these. So the stroller we have is a City Mini Baby Jogger is the brand, and then there's a million variations. So it's some variation of the City Mini. And we're like, how come there's no cup holder because we're like always walking to Starbucks with the kids and stuff. So we went on Amazon, of course, and you start searching for like, you know, stroller cup holder compatible things. And they're all, you know, the first couple we had like spilled coffee everywhere. They were really rigid plastic things. And then we settled on kind of a neoprene type of deal. But again, I don't remember the brand. It was just a product that, that solved the need. Yeah. So first is, is this a problem that you want to be solved? That's the first question you should ask yourself. Then, like, are you experiencing this problem in real time? And can, can you contribute to helping solve the problem? And then can I create something that's substantially better than anything else that's on the market today? Do I have a superior idea that solves this, a real itch that you have that I can stretch? There's 100,000 toilet paper holders on Amazon today, 100,000. Garlic presses, silicon baking mats, all these people are just looking at the bestseller rank on Amazon. I'm suggesting a different approach, right? Which is very hands-on. It's hand-to-hand combat, but it's worth the diligence. So you obsessively read negative reviews. Find keyword searches that are happening on Amazon. For example, Amazon has a patented A9 keyword search at the top. And let's just say you start searching something and that search, it shows people are searching it because Amazon has something called auto-suggest. They will auto-suggest. But then if there's no match products for that, that's a huge opportunity, right? Because it's showing people are searching for a product, but no one's actually matching the supply with demand. Oh, interesting. So you're just typing in kind of seed keywords and then like the space bar to see what will pop up there? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's researching a product. I'm telling you to research a problem. It's a very different approach. But it's, again, it's, I think there's a high, it's a high return on investment activity. And I will add to that, I will pair that with the keywords everywhere Chrome extension. So as I'm typing in keywords, it's giving me an estimate of the search volume for those keywords. I don't know if it's pulling this from Amazon or if it's giving like Google data for this, but it's giving an estimate for how many people are actually looking for that. So I'm like on softball bag hook, softball bag with wheels, something like that. 
And uh, by the way, just uh, while we're talking about Chrome extensions, another good one that I really liked is something called AMZ Suggestion Expander. It's a free Chrome extension, but it'll tell you, if you let's just say you type in diaper, it'll tell you what people type in before the word diaper and after the word diaper in priority pecking order. It's fantastic. Ooh, super cool. Yeah, it's great. Very cool. So, okay, so let's say you identify half a dozen potential things that people are looking for, they're not finding, pain points in your own life, problems that you're facing. Okay, there's got to be a better way. What do you do next? Do you try and prototype this thing? Do you, like my theory would be like, if nobody has ever done it, then that's kind of risky. There might not be demand for it if, if literally no one on the planet has come up with this idea before me. Or you could just be really, really smart and do your research. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I tend not to go there and give myself that much credit. Yeah. I would say the first step is to make a list and see if there's, if there's copycats. If there's no copycats, great. You have a great market that you can potentially tap into. The next step I would suggest is essentially going on to Alibaba.com and just looking to see perhaps there's products that are off the shelf, meaning you don't have to invest tooling. Tooling means you're creating a net new product from scratch. Sometimes you can just iterate on a product and change a few things to make it better. So let's just do an example, right? A Bitcoin carrying case. Everybody was into Bitcoin in 2018, and they bought these treasures and there's all these other USB drives that store your passcodes. And the next question is, well, how do I develop something to store this into, to put it into so it doesn't get lost in my desk drawer? Maybe you want to make it non-flammable. Maybe it should be waterproof. Coming up with these types of ideas that solve problems that are happening in the market. But anyway, you can take something like Alibaba.com, search for, say, anti-inflammatory storage, right? And see what comes up. And you can iterate on those designs without having to invest in into the tooling. They're just off-the-shelf products that you can just iterate on. Okay. And no, maybe nobody has come up with the idea to call it the Bitcoin case before, but the bare bones of, the, of a similar product would exist. Yeah, that's correct. So I would spend time and like talking to these suppliers and going on video chat on Skype and getting a tour of their factory to make sure they are a factory so that you're not dealing with something called an agent, which is a middleman. The idea is you want to get as close to the factory as you possibly can because that's going to make sure you get the best price. Have you found that suppliers are generally open to Skype video, virtual factory tour type of stuff? Yeah, yeah, they are. They're really hungry for your business. The reason why agents existed was because China wasn't so advanced. They didn't have people that were speaking English so well, say, a decade ago. And so you'd have these agents that represent the factories because the factories didn't have people that spoke English. Things have really changed over the past decade where you can just find directly the factory. So you get these quotes from the factory. You, you can ask them if they can make some changes to your product. Then the the factory will say, well, here's our minimum order quantity. Now, this is very important if you're just starting out. The minimum order quantity, the MOQ, is the minimum you need to buy. And of course, anyone that's in business, they want to sell more. So they're going to say, hey, our minimum order quantity is really high. It's 1,000 or it's 3,000 or it's 5,000. Well, the idea is you can chop that down as long as you're building a good relationship. Say, hey, I'll pay more, a little bit more for the product, but I want to buy 100. I want to start off. We're starting off this relationship I'm a really large seller. Please let me just buy 100 to test the waters. And this is a great way for you to minimize risk and the money that you spend and your time and your hair loss by buying in smaller batches. Well, I can definitely speak to the hair loss thing. 
One brand that comes to mind is the Tortuga Backpacks. This was an episode from years ago. I don't remember what their upfront investment was, but it was going down this similar process of like the existing travel bags, they just didn't love them. And so it was a pain point for these two guys. And so they went out to create their own and they built a substantial business on the back of that. Primarily, I don't know if their product is available on Amazon, but we bought directly from their website. I did dinner with them recently in Vegas. Yeah, it was a great conversation. So I just bought, to piggyback on that, is I bought a nomadic bag. So my issue was that I love compartments in my bag. I'm hyper-optimized. It's a very expensive bag. It's on Amazon. It's off Amazon. But essentially, there's a compartment in the bag for everything, and it just solved the problem that I had that nobody was solving. And I was willing to pay more for that problem, too. Yeah, my wife has a similar one for her camera gear. And it's customizable. You could make different little compartments for the lenses and the bodies and the batteries and the flash and all this different stuff. So again, probably by going down the rabbit hole of reviews, like, oh, I wish there was an easy way. I wish it came with a bag or I wish it came with a good whatever. I don't know. Start with what you know. Start with what problems that, that you're facing. So as we're packing for this upcoming trip, as you're packing for your baby moon, we might <laughs> come up with some more some more problems that, that's going on. Are you primarily, you're primarily focused on Amazon for the research, but it sounds like, okay, that's just going to be one sales channel for you. You know, you're trying to figure out how to cast a wide net as possible. Yeah. Amazon is certainly a beast. If you think about all the people that have prime memberships, but there's also a lot of stuff that's happening off Amazon, like on Google, when people do searches or on Instagram, when they're going through discovery. So for me, I look at selling, like playing the game of Monopoly. You want to be on every piece of the board to win. When somebody lands on Park Avenue or they land on the utility, they essentially pay. And it's the same thing with online selling is you want to be where people are spending their time or their dwell time and plant yourself there, whether it's Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, Amazon, your own website. You want to be everywhere. You recommend going everywhere, going wide from the very beginning or just like, okay, let me get some validation on Amazon where I don't have to create my own website and go from there? Amazon is like a gateway drug. It's really easy to get started, but it's really hard to ever leave. And it just depends on what you're trying to build. If you're trying to build a brand, experiential brand, that's what I call the anti-Amazon opportunity. There's lots of that can happen off Amazon. It's, it'll take longer, but it's certainly worthwhile. Amazon is just a quick way to validate your idea. And you can always start on Amazon and then move off Amazon. It's probably harder to start off Amazon and then move to Amazon, but many have done it. There's tons of companies I can refer to out there that have started off Amazon brands that then hop on Amazon and have double the success and double their revenue. Okay. These are the companies that just target the crap out of me on Instagram for shoes and pants and... Do you buy them? And No, I haven't bought them. <laughs> but they must have a big ad budget. I think I've clicked on it once, so maybe I probably got like retargeted now. But it's like, you know, what's the deal with these shoes? They're, they're everywhere. It seems like Allbirds, maybe. I don't know. There's... Yeah, Allbirds is a great example, right? They started off off Amazon. They actually aren't on Amazon, which means there's probably a pretty big opportunity for you to capitalize on their brand name on Amazon, right? Because essentially 50% of e-commerce is happening on Amazon, but you're not, on, you're not there. You're not relevant. And people go to Amazon for social proof. So that's why I really suggest like, hey, you have an Amazon strategy. You have an off Amazon strategy. You have an Instagram strategy because you can capitalize on all these different individuals. Now, I am a sucker for buying these Instagram cool brands out there, whether it's Nomadic Badge or Allbirds 
or away luggage or like comfortable jeans. Like I just bought, I was like, why do my jeans have to be uncomfortable? Why do they have to affect me during the day? And I bought these like stretchy Mott and Bow jeans out there and I paid probably double the price for them. But it, for me, it's worth it. It makes my life better. What was the brand? Mott and Bow. B-O-W. All right. I'll check them out. Always in the, always in the market for stretchy jeans. <laughs> <laughs> or like, for example, I'm wearing this carbon belt right now. And because I travel so much and I fly so much, I always have to take off my belt. And this belt can go through security. And it's just like a very easy belt. It was a Kickstarter project. That's also a great way to prove out your product, to get money up front to fund your project is going through like a Kickstarter campaign Again, these things take time. They're not just, you just launch it and or build it and they will come. You have to work them. For Crucial today, what percentage of sales comes through Amazon versus your own platform or, or these other channels? Yeah, it's about 50 to 60% on, on Amazon itself. Okay, which compared to other e-commerce sellers that I've talked to, it's like they're trying to get away from it, but it's still 90% of their business is, is FBA. Yeah. And look, my thing is with this, and I've been suspended. So I've been suspended on Amazon. I've nearly lost everything on Amazon. Would you ever invest in a stock that had one customer, like your entire life savings into one stock that had one customer? It's so risky. So the idea is how do you diversify? Like I look at Amazon, not really as a business. I look at it as a channel. Right. It's, it's a distribution channel or a retail channel for your product. It's a great way to start, but not a great way to end. And like Amazon has full control, right? I've been suspended five times for overselling inventory, for buying things at closeout and selling them on Amazon and going through the appeal process and building up your entire business around Amazon's business. And then for Amazon to just send you a templated email with no return email address to write back to, it could be very, very challenging. Yeah. Meanwhile, if you built it up, you've got thousands and thousands of dollars of inventory across their network of warehouses. You're like, uh, wait a minute. It's scary playing in somebody else's sandbox. I've been shut down off of Google ads, Facebook ads, uh, thankfully not Amazon yet, knock on wood, but it's just, a, it, it can be tough, uh, often arbitrary decisions, it seems like. And then the appeals process is you never know if you're going to be able to reach a real person. But these are, these are really cool examples of different problems and different products that can come to solve those. And, and then I should mention too, like, we're talking about physical products. It could also be service businesses. It could be software businesses. It doesn't have to be just in the realm of physical products. But in the realm of physical products, any other resources that you have for either narrowing down the list of potential manufacturers on Alibaba or just trying to find somebody who could make my stuff overseas or locally? Yeah, so let's do, let's do another example. Yoga pants are very expensive. Yoga pants for men or athletic apparel for men is also very expensive. So let's just say we had the idea saying, hey, we want affordable, high-quality fitness apparel geared towards millennials, right? Great idea. Fantastic. The first step that you'd take is you would maybe use something like a Pangeva or Import Genius, which essentially opens up what's coming into the American borders. Essentially, it's a database of receipts of what's happened, what's come into America. Now, this really started after the, the trade in America. Like They were like, okay, this is unattainable. Like, we can't support the amount of importation that's happening in America. We can't secure our borders quick enough to figure out what's happening. So the U.S. government takes these records, sends them to Pangeva or Import Genius. They put them into a database, and this database is now exposed 
to everybody on the internet. So this is where this is the goods that are coming into the country and where they're coming from. Exactly. And this is Panjiva, P-A-N-J-I-V-A. Yeah, and people are shocked when I tell them this. I've never heard of this. Yeah, this is this is really how the sausage is made, right? So this is showing you everything that's coming to the United States. And if I wanted to understand what Lululemon, who Lululemon's factory is, this is the first place I would go. Odds are is that whoever's making stuff for Lululemon, well, I want them to make for me as well. Okay, it's like, so why do these pants have to cost $120? There's got to be some margin in that. So figure out who's making them and could you make something similar for me? Yep. And, and then try and sell it direct. Yes. As they say on 21 Jump Street, find the dealer, infiltrate the supplier. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. And so Import Genius works similarly? Import Genius, Pangeva, there's a lot, of, there's like some free ones out there that you can find, although they're ad supported. So those are both, those are paid services? Yeah. So if you go to Google and you type in like Pangeva, you should see maybe other people competing with Pangeva. Uh, there's also a way that you can block your information. So once you actually are launched, you have launched your business, a lot of people don't know that you can actually for free send a letter to the U.S. government that says that you want your information blocked. They'll block it for two years and then it expires. So you have to keep on just remind, set up a reminder to do this consistently. Any reason why these big companies don't do that? They're bloated. They don't know typically these tactics that people can spy on you. The free one is called Port Examiner. It's free, but it is ad support. It's not as good as a search as Pangeva or Import Genius. But again, if you're just getting started and you just want to do some research up front, it's a great way to make it happen. Okay, this is crazy. So, okay, <laughs> go find the exact factories that are making this stuff and then reach out to them, start the conversation. What does that initial outreach look like? Hey, I'm, I want to make some yoga pants. Can you, can you help me out? Yeah, you reach out to them. Like you want to, let's just say you wanted to manufacture wiper blades for cheap. So this allows you to see where somebody's getting their blades from. How many shipments are they actually shipping? Like, so is this a market ripe for disruption? Is there actually even a need for this in the marketplace? And so this is really the idea of like cutting out the middleman and just executing on an idea. And it just gives you more information to make a valid decisions based on. And also on top of that, by the way, your supplier may not be on Alibaba, right? Alibaba only has a segment of, of individuals on there, but maybe Lululemon's supplier isn't on Alibaba. It's quite possible that's the case. If you're just starting out, are you reaching out as Nick Loper, president of this new hopeful e-commerce empire, or are you reaching out as like someone lower on the totem pole? Hey, I'm a purchasing agent for such and such made up company name. I just think that you need to present yourself and say, look, we're a merchant. Just say we're a seller. The thing is that as you make yourself smaller, they're going to probably spend less time on the opportunity. Right? Like, why would they stop working with Lululemon to work with somebody that has no business right now? So the idea is you want to essentially just have a conversation, like a human-to-human -human interaction with them, and just let them know that like, you want to test the market in this, in this space you don't have to go into the fact that you're not even that you're a seller. Just say, I'm interested in your product. I want to test the market. You have great quality. I'd like to set up a conversation to make this happen. And I would probably boomerang that a few times to make sure I got a response if, if it's a supplier you want to you want to really work with. Okay. Have you ever found that say you search Port Examiner or Pangeva for Lululemon or whatever brand that you're interested in and you find nothing? Like it's just coming up blank. What do you do? In that case, is just back to the Alibaba drawing board. Well, there's some tactics here, and I, I'm going to I'm going to 
guide you through it. So a lot of times when you search, let's just say you search Lululemon, now that search will come up, but there's certain suppliers or there's certain brands that don't import under that brand name. So the next step when you can't find that individual is you search by address. So you type in the address of, like, so you can buy a product from some that you, somebody online, it's typically shipping from their warehouse. What happens is that bill of lading record is delivering in from Asia or wherever you're importing from into that warehouse. And so you can use the warehouse address to back into where they're buying their product from. So instead of searching by name, you search by address. So you order the product and on the shipping label to you, that's the warehouse address. Yep. And just throw that into Pangeva. Now, let's just say that doesn't work. So the next step after that is to go into something called test trademark search. It's a database of all the trademarks that are here in the United States. And let's just say we're the name of the company is Lululemon, but they don't import under the address because they have many retail stores. Plus, they also don't import under that name. In test trademark search, let's just say you type in Lululemon, Lululemon may be held by a different company. So their import name might be different. It might be Uni Yoga Manufacturing. Sure, sure. It's like a shell company or like a holding company. Exactly. Search by that, and then you found the import records. Sneaky. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Spent a lot of time doing this, as you can tell. <laughs> I, can, I can tell. Well, what's next for you? I know you got the baby coming up. Congratulations on that. You got Scubana, scubana.com. People want to check that out for inventory management of e commerce business. And the book, Cheaper, Easier, Direct. I enjoyed it quite a bit. You can check it out on Amazon, of course. But curious, what's got you excited these days? What's, uh, what's next for Chad? Well, so we're still growing thinkcrucial.com. We're just adding SKUs, not staying happy with the SKUs that we have as the market matures and everyone's listening to podcasts and copying me. So we, we move forward quickly. We innovate or we die. <laughs> and so we're moving into innovative products that are non-commodities. Obviously, I'm scaling the software business. So instead of selling the kitchen sink, we're selling the water, right? We're supplying all the people that are moving onto the marketplaces or different channels, direct consumer brands, or even large manufacturers that are trying to figure out how to sell direct consumer. We're powering them with Stubana. So it's the operating system of your back end. Really just trying to double down and capitalize on what I have. With a baby on the way, I've spent some time pruning a lot of the BS that I've, over the course of the past years, have accumulated many other businesses and have started to just prune and, and focus on what I've got. Yeah, if it's anything like it was for me, it might make you less productive. Like you have fewer hours to work, but you'd be more effective during those hours just because it's like, all right, this is my go time. Give me a two hour toddler nap and I can knock out a lot of stuff. Well, Chad, appreciate you uh, joining me. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Be a systems thinker. Like try to always think about whatever you're building in scale and how you can lay down the groundwork to make sure that you implement systems that essentially can scale beyond just you yourself. Ooh, I like it. I don't know if anybody's mentioned that one before. That's a good one. That's where I've spent a lot of my time, whether it's the software business or whether it's my e-commerce business. I've outsourced a lot of the work that was required for human beings, but I've tried to find technology that can automate these processes, which has laid the groundwork that I can scale on with a limited amount of variable overhead. Yeah, I like it. I could definitely use another dose another round of systems thinking uh, myself so i'll take that one to heart thinkcrucial.com scubana.com and of course check out the book cheaper easier direct chad thanks so much for joining me and we'll catch up with you soon 
All right, my top three takeaways from this call with Chad. Number one is to solve a real problem. Chad proposed doing product research a little bit differently than how we've discussed on the show before, and it's centered on solving real problems based on customer reviews and keyword search data. And that's really what a business is at its core. It's a problem-solving machine, right? The most logical place to start is with your own problems. So I met Chad at a coffee shop in San Diego earlier this year where he professed his love for the beverage and explained how a reusable filter for the AeroPress coffee maker was one of his first products outside of the vacuum niche. It solved a real problem that people were complaining about. In looking through my own Amazon order history, I can see other entrepreneurs using the same strategy on me. We talked about the cup holder for the stroller, but another thing we bought was a stroller hanger hook thingy that goes on the door and gets the stroller off the floor. In a small space, every every little bit helps. We bought a car seat backpack bag. Like, how am I going to lug two car seats through the airport? What if I could put one on my back? Sure enough, somebody had already thought of that, so I bought it. It solved a problem. Now, how about the searches that turn up empty, though, or don't have any clear winners? Maybe there's a direct-to-consumer opportunity for you there. In the episode a few weeks ago with Brock McGough, I talked about my struggles to find a great-fitting hat for my tiny head. Business opportunity, right? On Amazon, I looked for a glass cup for our Magic Bullet blender. Nothing. And I actually started reaching out to some Alibaba manufacturers after that one, so we'll see if anything happens there. But what problems do you have? And like we mentioned, it doesn't have to be a physical product solution either. One service I think would be cool would be like a used car concierge service. You charge a flat fee or maybe a percentage of the sale to do all the inventory research, all the negotiation. And as a customer, you just tell them what you want. Okay, I'm looking for a Ford Explorer, this model year or newer, this many miles, this is my budget go find it. And hey, you know, they'll put out a radius and then you sign the deal after they have done all that legwork for you. It could be a huge time saver after a you know recent used car shopping experience. So that's takeaway number one, solve a real problem. Takeaway number two is your margin is my opportunity. Chad shared this quote from Jeff Bezos, the founder and CEO of Amazon. One way I think side hustlers can apply this is to just think of what you currently buy that seems more expensive than it should be. Like you pay for it, but you're pretty certain there's a healthy markup in there. Chad gave the example of $100 yoga pants. Why did they cost so much? Sit-stand desks, my kid's bike, certain supplements. Or think of what you've maybe avoided buying because of the high price. Other people are probably in the same boat. By going direct to consumer, could you bring a more attractively priced alternative to market? A recent one for me was Sonicare toothbrush heads. Ridiculously expensive, in my mind anyways, for what they are to get the name brand version. So off to Amazon, I went and found dozens of sellers offering compatible, perfectly functional brush heads for way less. That's takeaway number two. Your margin is my opportunity. I like that quote. Takeaway number three is you can't stand still. The problem with your margin is my opportunity is it fosters a race to the bottom on price, or it can. So you want to build a brand that's not a commodity. That's why Lululemon can charge that much for their pants. They built the brand. So as you're going into it, think of the differentiating factors. Price may be one, the product itself might be one, who you target as your customers might be one, or even the distribution channels through which you sell it might be one. And those are the four P's of marketing, right? Price, product, promotion, 
in place. You can't stand still because it's only a matter of time before someone else sees what you're doing and iterates on it. That's inevitable. Frustrating perhaps, but inevitable. Maybe you could get a patent or something, but from this chat with Chad, it sounds like the process is more important than any individual product, so you can't stand still. Once again, notes and links for this episode, plus the free PDF highlight reel download with all of Chad's top tips from the call are at sidehustlenation.com slash direct. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Hustle on.